1: Yeah, we're all in the same meetings together, so that's one
2: big part that I focus on. When you know I can't physically be out there, is mentally being engaged and being a part of everything, and, and being a student of the game. So uh, you know that's instead of putting all my focus, you know, on that and the physical part, I just turned everything to you know my rehab and the mental part of the game. So you know we all communicate well. Um, you know we're all on the same page, so that's just where you know it's it's been good. Football.
3: Football, football, yeah, football, football,
1: football. Hi, Matthew. Got to eat. Yes. So, what, up? what do we know here? So, uh, Delvin <laughs> Cook is out. What do we know? Very little. Everson Griffin's out. Uh, Marcus Sherels is out. Pat Elfline is. Playing. We're not. Sw- we're
4: not quite sure yet. Uh, he's not starting, but he will quote have a role. Okay. And what is that role? Coach, well, we are not going to tell you that role because I'm not sure what advantage it really gives, but they're not telling us the role. So my guess is that he's going to play something like every other series or the second half of the game. Just to get him ready for L.A., basically. Right, yeah, Uh, because if you go out there and you play him through the whole game, and then he has to turn right back around with no preseason and no training camp and go up against Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue. That's not a really good plan. And, of course, Zimmer got defensive at the conversation of, like, hey, you know, the Thursday, the quick turnaround is like, no, 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 we're focused on the Buffalo Bills. Like, yeah, I get that, but you know there's a game there. So you have to factor for that, too, which means if you're up 21 points in the fourth quarter, you should sit Daniil Hunter, and you should sit Xavier Rhodes and play Holton Hill instead, and you should sit Harrison Smith. And probably Kirk Cousins, too, and, and throw Trevor Simeon out there, if that's what happens. Uh, so that that would be my guess, is that he just mixes in with Brett Jones. And it will be interesting to see if Brett Jones slides over to left guard, or if that is still Tom Compton, when that does happen, if it
3: happens. And you now think it's a good chance that it's still Tom Compton, right? You told me that Brett Jones looks so bad on uh, Sunday yeah. that you've that you basically think they, they won't make the change?
4: Yeah, I think that Tom Compton does stay. But it's, it's hard to say. I mean, it's kind of like a coin flip. Both yeah. of these guys are backups. They're sort of replacement guys that you feel a little bit better than your T.J. Clemmings, who shouldn't be in the league, but it's nowhere close to Pat Elfline. And I think that all things considered, the offensive line has held up pretty good in the first two weeks. They haven't faced any good edge rushers. They've faced two teams that have good interiors that have crushed the Vikings and ruined their running game, but they haven't faced a Khalil Mack. And really, when you go through their schedule, there's only a couple of teams that have those guys. So if Riley Reef continues to play the way he's played, I think he's been very, very good. And Rashad Hill holds up at right tackle. He practiced in full. My guess is that he's back starting at right tackle. Then you've got a chance to have an okay offensive line here because I think Elfline line. Not that centers can ever be stars, really. But like I think he's a franchise player type that is a huge upgrade for Brett Jones.
1: So I think the Vikings are going to roll on Sunday. I don't think it's going to be close. But if there's one thing that we've learned here on this radio show the last four or five years, and Todd Furman's been a regular from a Vegas perspective, when the entire population, in terms of public perception and or gambling, and Mm -hmm. if everyone's running in one direction you should probably think about taking the opposing position. And so feels like everybody's rushing this Vikings blowout side. And I'm on that side too, and I will remain on that side. But are we... Overlooking an NFL team, barely, but the Bills are an NFL team, a little bit too much here. No, yeah, they're okay. not. Uh, Everson, <laughs> that's where it was where <laughs> I, posing the question. He can't
3: emphasize enough how horse bleep
1: they are. Even,
4: <laughs> even with Everson Griffin out, Stephen Weatherly has had a really good start to the season. It wouldn't shock me if he plays really well, as bad as this line is, and Daniil Hunter. Should eat like crazy, and on the inside, Sheldon Richardson has mauled better interior offensive lines than this one. The interior of this offensive bills this bill's offensive line is a disaster like the vikings interior of their offensive line looks good for these first two games compared to what the bills have, so just that alone, plus the fact that he has no wide receivers, Xavier Rhodes demolished Kelvin Benjamin the last time he played against them in Carolina. I don't think Belgium, uh, Benjamin has any chance against Xavier Rhodes if they decide to do that. Uh, Shady McCoy is questionable for the game. I mean, that makes it even tougher. So the other point is, I uh, I saw that someone tweeted this out and I don't remember which Twitter account, so I'm sorry I can't reference it. But that it, there has been six different instances of the Vikings having these huge lines, seven points or more, and they've covered four out of the six times and won all six games. So this is not a team that gets upset by really bad teams. And we saw that last year when Cincinnati came in and they just, Punch their faces in right away. I mean, it was just like a pick six, and they were getting big gains to Jarek McKinnon, and it was just over. And the same thing with Chicago in week 17. It was like, okay, maybe Trubisky's made no, No, yeah, no, the no. Only not weird, here, buddy. The
1: only weird one was that first half against the Browns, but that's in London and they're, they're travel
0: things. And, and I think
4: they won like 33 to 16. Yeah, they won it in the second half. They yeah. pulled away. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: So, if, if, admit it, Collar. You're just a jaded Buffalo Bills fan <laughs> growing up in upstate no, New York. You're just so bitter at them. Because they've been so bad for so long and you just can't stand it. You know,
4: what's funny about that is the the team was so irrelevant for so long that it was almost impossible to be a fan of them. That I never considered myself a fan of the team. Did you the, get
1: away from the Jim Kelly era at least? Yes, like you, or, yes. Did, you grew up watching the four Super Bowl losses? So, so my oh, first have, That's all I got. That's all I got. Yeah, but my well, my hey, first was that Jim team? Kelly.
3: <laughs>
4: My first ever sports memory is wide right. Like That's the first thing I can say definitively that I remember what was going on around me and I remember watching it on the TV. And so I saw them go to all four Super Bowls and I, I remember how bad they were. I mean, here against Washington, that was an awful Super Bowl. Yeah. And uh, then they even had the lead at halftime, I think, against Dallas and completely fell apart. They Maybe got the, their butts the, whooped the fourth in,
0: one, I in think. three of the four. The first one against the Giants was the only close one.
4: Yeah, right. Exactly. And So, you know, there was those as a really little kid, but you can't really be full into who you're going to be as an adult then with how you view sports. And then there's the Music City Miracle that happens. And that was the last time that I could because that was Flutie and he'd come from the CFL and it was really fun. That was the last time I could really say that it was exciting and you wanted to root for them. Yeah. Because then they got Drew Bledsoe and that was kind of a disaster. And from there, they tore apart good teams. They let great players go. Antoine Winfield ends up here. Pat, he Williams. Was, Pat Williams ends up here. Those you are know. two of the best players that they had. And it was a number of other guys too. Jason Peters eventually ends up. He's gonna be a Hall of Famer for the Philadelphia Eagles. London Fletcher they let go and he was still good after that. It was just one guy after the next that they didn't want to pay. And they just it was every year, it was six and ten, five and eleven, seven and nine. And so you never really wanted to cheer for that because the way that the ownership acted. And by the time I got into the
3: media, you know, it was like, OK, well, that's well, too late. We, right. We
4: don't no. really. But we, you know, cheer what? Anyway, So You know what?
3: This is a great idea. You could start a support group that, that would translate to hear very well the wide left or right support group. There's got to be I mean, there's PTSD on that, right? In this market, for sure, Blair
1: yeah. Walsh, Gary Anderson. It sounds like the biggest difference. There's a lot of Bills and Vikings similarities, but the biggest difference is the Vikings have maintained a pretty high level yes. of performance throughout yep. the course of 50 years. Absolutely, and the Bills will just go away or or be like the Vikings have never been this bad as as, as the Bills are this the year. The Bills right? sound
0: wolves like in some ways. What well, yeah. are describing? Went, the Bills went. What was it? 18 years without making the playoffs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I think
4: it was in year 18 that yeah. they made it. And and it was their fault. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like just weird, bad things happen. And I would even say, you know, there's draft luck with the Wolves. That we can sit here all day long and say, now I, I saw a lot of Johnny Flynn in Syracuse. Trust me, I would not have drafted Johnny Oof. Flynn where they did. Great uh, smile. I would have taken Thanks Steph for Curry. Thanks for helping out on that. But But it's draft luck, though. Like, I mean, what was Giannis Antetokounmpo? Was he, like, 17th or something in the draft? They passed one, he, like, pick, two, yeah. one
0: pick after Shabazz right. Like One that, pick after right. Shabazz. Right.
4: The thing is, like, you know, so every team in the league looked at the guy and said, eh, you know, okay, he's a first-round pick, but he's not toward the top. And now he's, like, the next LeBron. So it's, you know, it's hard with draft luck. And some of that happened to the Wolves. There was some level of disaster but with the bills, it was mostly just self-inflicted disaster all the way through. At one point, they just randomly named Marv Levy their GM. At another point, they made the team president, who was like a marketing guy, their general manager, and he had, you know, had no previous football
1: experience at yeah, all. but they had catchy <laughs> slogans, damn it! Catchy ass slogans. Yeah. So
4: you know what's funny is I, I was talking to my buddy there in the media yesterday, and his point was for the first time. They have some proven people. McDermott, as a defensive coach in his career, he had respect. And uh, their general manager, too, was in Carolina. And this is what they had to do. Was rip it all down and run out a horrible roster. And last year, they twinsed last year, where it was supposed to be bad, yep. but it was yeah. just good enough to make the, the a- playoffs. That
1: wasn't supposed to happen. I think the AFC is so bad that, and this is what I, I think the Browns might win some games with Baker Mayfield this year because of schedules and the AFC. And, I think they got a right? good roster. Yeah. Let's come back and uh, talk more football here. Collar is hanging out with us. It's the football hour on Mackey and Judd and Sage Rosenfels will join us when we come back. With Judd Zolgad, take it away. Thank you very much. It's t- pub.com. On paper, Jets and Browns always looks horrible on Thursday Night Football, Sage Rosenfels, but I think all of America was watching last night. 600-plus days between victories.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it almost seemed like, if you, you listen to that celebration, you know, if you talk about when LeBron won the championship in basketball, uh, you know, just a couple of years ago and, and how elated those fans were. It almost seemed like last night's Thursday night thriller was about a 7 if the LeBron championship was a 10. I mean, it was just like, I mean, really, they, they won a game. It's just, uh, you know, th- those fans, I mean, you know, Vikings fans and, and Timberwolves fans, you know, every most uh, teams have a lot of struggles, but, man, Cleveland Browns fans, it is at the point where you just feel sorry for them, and you're happy for them. You're very happy for them. They got a win, and I tell you what, it looks like they got a good quarterback. Baker Mayfield was a lot of fun to watch, and I I love uh, Sam, Donald as well. They're both really fun young quarterbacks to watch.
3: Hey Sage, what what did you like that you saw from ba- Baker as far as what he did last night, and how much now is there going to be on tape for opponents to start to uh, dissect and pick apart?
2: Well, I tell you what, I, I'm a big believer in two things for a quarterback: it's accuracy in decision-making, and him coming out this year, you know, there were Sam and Josh Allen, uh, Sam Donald. uh, Baker Mayfield was the most accurate uh, and made the best decisions overall uh, with his body of work in college, and so that's what he was last night. He made really good decisions for the most part. He threw one really bad ball. His accuracy is is outstanding for a young guy. I mean, he really put some balls in the money last night and some tight coverage, and, uh, you know, Drew Brees-type accuracy, but to be honest with you, a much stronger arm than Drew. So, you know, that's what's exciting when you watch him play.
4: Sage, I'm curious with uh, Baker Mayfield, how much you think, uh, or how much of a challenge it might have been for him to do the growing up that he needed to do? I mean, it, I, I think when he was at Oklahoma, there were a number of sort of issues or questions about that. And, you know, w- would he do things on social media? And could he really handle that position? What What does it kind of take, from being a you know going from in college to being a professional at the quarterback position for how you handle yourself,
2: I think when you realize that guys are signing contracts upwards of thirty million dollars a year, and if you just sort of do everything right, you've already got the talent, you're already a smart enough guy in general, and you just sort of grow up, you know those that money could be yours you know someday so i I think that's one of those things that gets these guys in line. And, uh, and obviously it's, you know, it, it doesn't seem like he was a bad kid, but just sort of an idiot college kid. But then again, it is, we're talking about a couple weeks into the uh, rookie season. Now he just had his first taste of success you, know, you can't really judge him because he's been good so far in all those aspects of social media and off the field and not get in trouble. You know, let's see how he is over the course of the next you know, really 15 years. That's what you're looking at when you're talking about a, a great career, if he's going to be a great player you can see if you can keep us calm through the, all the ups and downs. You got to realize, you know, guys like Drew Brees. You know, hey, Drew had some really bad seasons early in his career. You know, four wins and, and maybe some, you know, six, seven, eight win seasons. Even with uh, uh, the Saints, you know, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. The quarterback. So we'll see the sort of the Baker Mayfield who he really is. Not after a, a big win like last night, uh, but over the course of a long career, all those
0: ups and downs sage what are your thoughts on the browns defense because there's talent there we know you know miles garrett is is a young up-and-coming talent and denzel ward the first round pick uh for this year for them what are your what's your take on that defense and is that defense good enough to sort of help baker mayfield to where he doesn't feel like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders trying to win as many games as he can for this team going forward
2: you know, it really is. They've got a couple of really talented players, but they also have a really good blitzing, blitzing scheme. You know, you have a couple of different types of coordinators, right? A guy like Mike, 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 uh, guy like Mike Zimmer, uh, who really only does about three or four sort of consistent things, and they're really good at it. Uh, well, Greg Williams is a coordinator who likes to blitz, show up multiple different looks, uh, and a lot of those hit home. I and mean, when you have really good players, and you got to realize that those Saints teams, uh, when they beat the, the Vikings in the NFC Championship game, but those defenses didn't have really great players. It was just a really good scheme and some hardworking guys who worked together. You actually have some young superstars on that team, and you, you get all those blitzes and game plan together, uh, that could be a really tough defense to go against. So if you look at that game last night, the plays that, the biggest plays that Sam Darnold sort of made throughout the game were actually wide receiver screens timed out perfectly against those blitzes.
1: Yeah, uh, Sage Rosenfels is a regular contributor for us on Purple Podcast. You can find him here Fridays on Mackie and Judd. On the Vikings front, and it kind of actually weaves in with some of the stuff we're talking about with uh, with receivers and Baker Mayfield. Can you go a little deeper for us when it comes to the trust quarterbacks have in wide receivers? Because I can tell you, I mean, like if, if, if I were Kirk Cousins, I would have a really, really hard time throwing passes in key situations to Laquan Treadwell for obvious reasons right now. What does it mean when you talk about trust between a quarterback and a wide receiver? Is it deeper than just, well, I'm going to target this receiver? What does that mean?
2: Well, a lot of it's about timing and throwing to spaces. I mean, you got to realize, I mean, how tall is Kirk Cousins? He's about 6'3. You know, he's not a you know, super tall guy. You're, you have offensive linemen who are all, at the minimum, probably 6'4, uh, if not up to some 6'6 guys. And so you're trying to look over those guys. You're throwing a lot of balls just in the space, based off the coverage you see. You know, you're sort of estimating or guessing a little bit sometimes where the linebackers are, where the safeties are, and you're throwing the spots, uh, cause the receiver should be there. So yeah, that trust and faith between a quarterback and where the wide receiver is supposed to be is, is absolutely huge. And, and there's obviously an issue, you know, Vikings have two of the better sort of one and one A receivers and I think it's a great combo up top, but that's a real issue for them right now is that third wide receiver. And I just don't think as of right now, and I'm sure Kirk Cousins will say it and everyone will probably say it, but you know, they need a third receiver to step up for this offense.
3: All right, Sage, got a question for you off what Phil just asked regarding 2009, uh, Superdome as, as the game, as the game waned, uh, on the far interception that was intended for Sydney Rice and picked off by Porter. If you go back and watch that, and I'm sure you have Bernard Berrien is pretty much open on the sidelines. Uh, was that a question of, of Brett having way more faith in Sydney to catch that ball than he did Berrien in that instance? You know, it's actually interesting
2: you say that on that type of pass play or even sometimes that uh, these sort of naked bootleg plays or sprint out plays. A lot of times the first guy in the route is the flat routes. And on that play, it was, off, it was the flat routes. You now, versus zone coverage, which is what that team uh, checked to when we got into that bunch set, they checked his zone. And a lot of times that number one guy won't be open in his zone. You're looking for some sort of rubbing man to man. Well, what happens is, and this is what happened in the, in the game, as you sort of scan the rest of the field and look like you might run, that zone guy who was covering Bernard in the flat, a lot of times they drop off. You know, they start going towards the middle. Uh, You may may be trying to cover where Brett might run, and they fall off the guy that's wide open on the side of the flat, and that's exactly what happened in that game. And a lot of times you're taught, you know, sort of one to two to three, and you you always can go back to one. Uh, Obviously, Brett, uh, you know, sort of stuck on number two on that throw, and and the rest is
1: history. Yes. That was an outstanding breakdown.
4: Thank you. Now we're
1: talking football. Yes. Alright Well there you go guys <laughs>
2: from, from, from what I remember From what I remember Nine years ago That's how my memory Football
1: uh, That's from cool. my Come on Yes.
4: By the way, Sage and I on the Purple Podcast <laughs> broke down Stephon Diggs's 75-yard touchdown from the protection to the other routes to the coverage. So if you want to hear more of that, Purple Podcast for you. Uh, Sage, Kirk Cousins' his first two games. Uh, what I guess? How would you assess them, and, and and how much did it mean for him, even though they didn't win, to ha- to come through in big moments while he was facing off with Aaron Rodgers.
2: That game was huge, and the way the first two games have uh, you know sort of come to fruition, I, I, you could not, you could be much happier you know for the Vikings as of right now. Again, we're talking about two weeks of football, but you know first week he goes out, he plays a clean football game, doesn't laugh the scoreboard with 400 yards passing, but you know has a clean game and uh, you know throws two touchdown passes. Sort of relies on the defense a little bit. You know the running game kicked in the gear pretty good in, in that game, and and just sort of did his job, sort of managed the game, made a couple of nice plays. This game. He's walking into Lambeau Field against, you know, the Superman, uh, Aaron Rodgers, on the other side of the field. Uh, and, you know, the first big test of his Vikings career and throws for over 400 yards and and really just played a, a fantastic football game. You know, he wasn't perfect, but he played really, really well. And you got to be happy with a, uh, you know, as a Vikings fan. You know, there's a lot of talk about with Keenan last year and Case played so well. You know, could this guy really be that much better? He wasn't in all that much better when he was in Washington. I think we saw him that we see now, you know, why Spielman, why Zimmer thought they needed to upgrade because it it seemed like to me, I don't think, uh, and I love Case, I don't think Case could have put on that type of performance at Lambeau in those types
1: of conditions. And, and didn't it kind of, I mean, that the, the Kirk Cousins performance in the second half would have been the story if 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 Daniel Carlson makes a 35-yarder. Uh, the fact that they rectified the kicker question within 24 hours and brought in I believe statistically Dan Bailey is the second most accurate field goal kicker in NFL history. I gotta think that that's a, a nice uh, feeling if you're in the locker room and you're thinking, man, if the kicker's the only thing holding us back, oh wait, we have Dan Bailey now? Okay, let's go.
2: Yeah, you know they got to get that operation down, and and uh, you know the, the, it's you know, I tell you what, it's the snap, it's the hold, and it's the kick, and and they got to be you know very, very very quickly. And I've been there before when I was with the New York Giants after the Vikings, I became the holder uh, because our holder was a rookie punter, and he really struggled to hold, so they named me the holder. And uh, <laughs> and our and Lawrence Tynes, who had missed about four or five kicks uh, before that, I think missed one the rest of the year. So you know, it's, it, it's, I tell you what, it's, it's a whole operation. Uh, Dan Bailey's got to get on the same page as those guys. And uh, and hopefully that'll be uh, you know hopefully that'll uh, in the Vikings' uh, a best interest three or four times later on down the line this season.
1: Yes. Football. All right. Sage Rosenfels. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Sage. All right, guys. Okay. See you next week. All right, uh, find Sage okay. and Matthew on the Purple Podcast.
3: Purple Podcast next week. Can we have at least a a segment breaking down the art of the hold? Oh, yeah, I was just thinking that. It's, I was thinking I've always the same been thing. sickly interested because it's I I think we just assume, oh, that's simple. Right, the
4: guy will just catch simple. it. He'll just catch it and put it down. Yeah. But Tony Romo proved that it's not that easy.
1: Doesn't it seem like, okay, this is a hot take. I would be more terrified, not physically terrified, because physically terrified playing quarterback would be. But in terms of, like, the bleep-up factor, holding terrifies me more than taking a snap as a quarterback. As, a, as someone who's never done either. Because you just
4: know how embarrassing it's going to be.
1: Yes. Like, if you screw there's it no up... There's no upside. Yeah. There's zero upside. There's if, no glory. And yeah. there's no... Wow, one, that was a great hold by... Like yeah, no one ever yeah, says right. that about you. I think right. about
4: this all the time in sports, how difficult it is for athletes when there's no one else to blame. Oh, and yeah. And if it just goes right through your hands and hits you in the face mask, it's like, well, I can't blame the long snapper. You hit me in the face with yeah. the ball. Or you like, don't that's rotate it right. Do. Right. Yeah, exactly. You screw there's, that there's, up, which would be easy. There's nobody that you could ever possibly blame for that.
1: In fact, you know... Why don't they just replace the laced footballs with laceless footballs to make it easier on the kicks for the holder? I mean, the holder's <laughs> got enough to worry about. Now he's going to spin the ball the right way. We're already trying if he to doesn't, we savage the air him.
3: from the ball. Now you want to take the laces off the laces ball? laces
1: out, Marino. Dan. Laces out. <laughs> laces Dan. Out Dan. <laughs> um, we'll get Kyler back in here for one more football segment. Then we'll wrap with Roycey. <laughs> but like we've been. Mackie and Judd are back. Please
0: continue on 1500 ESPN. It's Oktoberfest season. Want to win a pair of tickets to Twin Cities Oktoberfest? Head to the fifteen hundred ESPN stream player now for details on how to enter. Twin Cities Oktoberfest is happening October fifth and sixth at the historic Progress Center Building at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds. TCL Broadcast Studios.
3: It's the Football Hour, which means Mackie and Judd, joined by Matthew Collar, and uh, also as always. Manny Hill on board. All right, let's get back to Laquan Treadwell because uh, you, you've got a piece right now posted on 1500ESPN.com about his uh, issues this year, which include nine targets, four catches, and four drops. Matthew Collar. It's on pace for eight touchdowns. Uh, Chad Graff of The <laughs> Athletic sat down sat down and talked with him, and, and uh, Manny and I went through these quotes in hour one, but I'm just going to read you one of the quotes that Laquan gave To Chad Graff, and it absolutely drives me crazy. Honestly, the touchdown was great, but the drop for the interception actually taught me more than the touchdown. It's probably weird to say that, but I learned a lot about myself.
1: If you were failing is growing, Judd. Failing is growing. If you were
3: if you hey listen, if you were a rookie, I might buy this crap. But you're what, three years in now? This just seems to me to be nonsense at this point. Yeah. Life's
4: I all mean, about learning, okay? You know,
3: it's 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 really interesting <laughs> it's like
4: to watch for 48 minutes. to watch someone fight sort of reality. Like the reality well is put. at Thank this you. moment that, and I've seen this with hockey prospects many times when I was covering because I would cover them in the American Hockey League and then sort of follow them because Buffalo and Rochester were close, so follow them in the NHL too, and. There's always that the guy's got a lot of potential, so he's, you know, okay, all right, he's getting his feet wet. So everything is, well, you know, he gets past getting his feet wet, getting his feet wet. And then it's sort of like, okay, you should be stepping up a little bit here, and uh, this doesn't really look too good, but it's, okay, guys, I've got this figured out. I've got this figured out. And you're like, all right, okay, because we've seen it happen. We've seen guys struggle from the beginning and then get rolling, and then all of a sudden they're a star. So you, so you give the guy the benefit of the doubt, and all of his excuses make sense. And with Laquan Treadwell, well, you know, I, I wasn't a route technician in college. That's very true. Now, why weren't you? Probably because your coaching staff there knew you couldn't run routes that well, but now I'm working on it. I'm working with Diggs and Thielen, and they're showing me all their footwork tricks. Okay, good. all right, all right, we'll see, we'll see. But now we get to year three and it's like, oh, guys, now I figured it out. Okay, let's see it. Let's
1: let's see it. How much was for him in that game uh, this last weekend? How much was it route running versus he just can't catch a pass that's thrown right directly between his numbers or into his hands?
4: Yeah, I think that there are still the same issues as there were before. But John D. Filippo is going to try really hard to resolve those issues, meaning you know, route depths were a problem. Maybe you try to work with him on only a number of routes that he's gonna run in certain situations and make it a little bit easier for him, or maybe he's gotten some of that figured out or you're just using things where he doesn't have to get big separation.
1: What if he's only doing you know? curl routes, collar? Yeah. I,
0: <laughs> only curl routes. In
4: fact, maybe their whole offense should just be all Just
0: curl four routes. four yeah. curls every yeah. play. Yep. I, I just I just want to hear him. I told this to Judd too. I just want to hear him say. You know what? I'm not very good, and I need to get better. No,
4: that yeah, that you're never going to hear a guy say I'm not very good. But as far as like the but at least
0: say I need to get
4: better. Yeah, that that's the thing though that like the last two training camps we heard like why I'm getting better, why I'm getting better, and then you're right about this Judd of like no, I learned from the drop. Okay, no, you didn't. I mean, it's just, but I understand it. I'm not going to mock him for saying that because. What he's just looking for answers. Yeah. At this point, this is the desperately searching for answers with reality starting to creep around the corner and show itself to you.
1: Yeah, but that like I think you've just nailed it that we can sit here and we can parse his words and we can wonder why. And upon the table, and the answer is well, the why is there was no benefit to cutting him before the season. He's going to be on the team all year. Like no. the, there's yep. there was no benefit to cutting him. You weren't saving a bunch of money or anything like that. And uh, so that's that's the why, and in and, and the angst here is, is well he's just this, is, it is what it is. This is. He's probably who he is. He's a bust. Mm-hmm. It's his third year. He is a first round bust. It happens. They it's ripped. happened a couple times on this you know with this organization with wide receivers. They just whiffed. and here we are. I think this gap between what we expect and what is real. Like let's just. Let's press those things together. Expectations are reality. I don't expect anything from him going forward. Therefore, I'm not going to be mad if he drops a pass unless they put him out there for 50 snaps or something. I'll be mad at the coaches.
4: <laughs> and going out to get another Kirk Cousins friend to put on the roster, Aldrich Robinson. Seems like a great guy. I talked to him today. Uh, but... <laughs>
1: I mean, Did you guys what, talk about curl routes we, at all?
4: No, it was we did have an awkward moment though, because I was like, just how hard is this, you know, coming here and all this stuff? And you know, do you got a like family that's uh you know you left behind or whatever? And he says, I am happily divorced. And I oh. was like,
3: Oh Oh, nice answer,
4: okay. though. Okay, okay. I I like that. And I, I thought. Like this guy. And I thought about being oh, like,
1: <laughs> wait, wait, what? What did you just say? I him? like this guy. That's a great <laughs> what line. What does that mean? I'm
3: happily divorced. I got no problems. He got no problems. It's all football for him. So I thought about saying, <laughs> he like... you like the football hour? I'm sure he's listening right now. Hey, Aldrich, do, do you want to talk about it, or you
4: know, like, uh, <laughs> but like you seem in a good place with that, so I'm not going to have any follow up questions <laughs> to that um, because I you know I don't want to. Start anything. But, you know, they they sign him, and he's been in the league. He's made some catches in the league. Kirk Cousins likes him and hand-picked him to come here, more or less. That's the way it sounded. Even from Aldrich, what he said was, well, it sounds like Kirk Cousins liked me and decided me to, to bring me here because we used to play together, which is fine. I'm, I'm I'm sure that Kirk knows who can get out there and play and who can't, but that says something. When they move on from Stacey Coley, they bring in somebody else after they cut Kendall Wright, who was even worse than Treadwell, if you can believe that. Um, but, you know, I mean, that kind of tells you that they're bringing in another veteran player to put some pressure on him and potentially take his spot and that kind of says this is it like if you don't figure it out now this is going to be the end of this road more or less they they didn't cut him because of cap reasons in part but also because he's 23 and you're still trying to give the guy his chances but You know, even if he's improved in other areas, which I believe he has from camp from last year to this year, the route running and some of that stuff, some of the details, getting routes right, he's still getting them wrong at times. And you're still seeing miscommunications and that might be not solvable, but it to also add this other issue of the drops. I mean, that that just compounds the problems that were already there.
1: Uh, Collar, you have a, a piece about this very subject on 1500ESPN.com. You can also find a full week's worth of Purple Podcast episodes, and we'll have full coverage on what will almost certainly be a massacre against the Buffalo Bills this weekend. Uh, Ventline pregame, Purple Podcast, all good things. And I won't see you guys
4: until uh, next week. No, actually the week, week the after. Week after You're going I, to L.A.? No, yeah, I'll see you on Sunday, LA, though, so, so I'll, I'll I'm not so lucky. Phone.
1: Yeah, you'll see Judd on Sunday. You'll see me on Sunday. I, Sunday. I
4: really mostly acknowledge Manny and Phil in this room. but Oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh that's very, oh, very oh. hurtful. We'll
1: wrap with Ricey when we come back. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd
5: coming up next.
3: Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On
1: 1500
5: ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue.
3: Well, here we are again.
2: Yeah. On
0: 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic here in fifteen hundred ESPN That's six ninety four westbound. We have a crash uh, near University and East River Road in Fridley, slowing things down by a few minutes. That crash has uh, been out there for quite a bit, so be on the lookout there. Three ninety four eastbound, a crash, uh, slowing things down by about three minutes. That is uh, between Lake Street and Penn Avenue in Minneapolis as well.
1: Thank you, Manny. We wrap with Roycey every day around this time, uh, Pat. Tell me and Manny, because we weren't there, about uh, the nice compliment that you received in the wild press box last night.
5: Yeah, well, this fella comes down and he said, gee, I miss your show. And I said, well, you know, I was sitting next to Judd and I said, well, Judd stabbed me in the back. That's why I'm uh, not on anymore. You know, I'm lighthearted. And I said, this is Judd, you know. And then the guy, nice guy, I thought, but he kept, you know, he talked for a little while longer, and he said, well, I couldn't stand those two guys in the morning, and now I can't stand them in the afternoon. And I said, I said, I didn't, I couldn't remember what his name was, I said, ah, this is John here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's right here. I said, Judd's one of them. Of course, Judd tweeted that out, and I said, now, it might have been a plant, Judd. You never know. I might have put the guy up to it. But the guy, it was seamless because he just looked at yeah, me and patted he, me on the back, and that was it? Yeah, hey, I think you're a pretty good guy, but I still hate you. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. That's what that pat was. It was... Uh, it was, uh, I was more embarrassed than John. <laughs> you know? oh,
1: I also love the people who go up to Pat, even even <laughs> in the last year, and say how much they love listening to him and Joe on Saturdays. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, uh,
0: Who's yeah, that guy filling they... in for Joe? Every are, week?
5: The pe- are the people who say, boy, I listen to you every day. I mean, how could none of them have a meter? That's right. <laughs> how could none of these people ever have had one? Anyway, I think they're lying, but anyway. Did you guys see Joe Colley's Jimmy Butler stuff? And he, I think his source on Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler. No. So Colley's got Butler saying it's all hogwash that this was about a contract that he doesn't want to come back because, I mean, he's got the Butler camp saying. He doesn't say this is Butler. But it's because he doesn't think you can run down a Pack of wolves like Golden State when two of your lead dogs are kittens, meaning uh, Townsend Wiggins.
1: So, He's saying that, uh, that, that that's the true part, or that that's the hogwash. You know, no, that
5: part? no, that is. Collie said that Butler Camp is saying that the stuff about uh, it was a contract uh, situation yeah. where they couldn't they couldn't make the contract work the way they wanted it to was hogwash. And he also said uh, it was it was a story put out by the team's mouthpieces. Hmm. If Johnny Krasinski is a mouthpiece for the Wolves, he's doing a worse job than Rudy yeah. Giuliani is for Donald wow, Trump. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, there's obviously uh, different stories flying around, but I think Coll- you know, Collie kind of started this whole thing like la- early July, yes. he's the one that said Butler and Kyrie were making plans to yeah, end up in the same right. place and uh, I mean he's he, I think you know, his source in the Butler camp is Butler, I think so, uh, uh, I who knows apparently Jimmy didn't like the contract and he did like, uh, didn't like dogs and wiggins. But Tibbs still says he's going to keep him. Huh? Is that what we're talking yeah, No.
3: Suppo- here? Supposedly Woj had today that Tibbs is basically turning back all calls and and won't even entertain, you know, hypothetical trades. And that it's now Glenn who people are trying to call because they, they think Glenn's the only chance to actually make this trade. Uh, any any
5: chance Tibbs though he doesn't have Butler, he can't win, so he's uh, yeah. wants them to uh, get mad at him and fire him, and he can walk away with twenty four million.
0: Yeah. yeah. That, well, that that's my theory. Pat is that he doesn't yeah. want to. He doesn't want to trade Jimmy because it's like, well, I'm a sitting duck anyway. So why am I yeah. gonna? What what what, what, yeah, you're what? gonna if you're gonna get
5: fired at midseason, you might as to get fired now and get the whole twenty four, and then start doing something else. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. But it's uh, it's uh, I I I would uh, bet anything that uh, Monday uh, Jimmy's they they tell us that Jimmy will not be at he's going to report in a few days or something I I would bet that uh, they don't have him at media day Monday
1: media my God media day is going to be be (laughs)
5: fantastic ridiculous yes or uh, you know. I think we could send Scott Laden out there to do the speaking. <laughs> no, because he oh, doesn't geez. say nothing. Sure. Yeah, he'll <laughs> he be could, great. He could double talk better than
3: Spielman. I can't confirm today's Monday. I think it might be, but it might be <laughs> Tuesday
1: as well. So, you asked, what was the question? You asked. him? I wasn't there for this, but you asked Scott Layden a like a really easy question oh, to answer. Him,
3: I asked him. I said, I said, you were a kid working for the Utah Jazz in the early '80s. So, what's it like now when players are constantly recruiting their buddies yeah. as opposed to your day? And I thought I'd get, you know, all well, my dad and I, and it's and he wouldn't no. answer the question. Start talking about no. this year's draft.
5: <laughs> well, I, I came up to him and started joking about, at that same function, about, you know, working in New York. And what is it like working in New York? And I told him about some other guys that had told me about how... Tough it was in New York, he wouldn't say anything about that either. Yeah. I mean, what difference does it make? Nobody's got a notebook out. It yeah. was just an attempt at BS. But
1: yeah. Uh, this other thing too that that so I I don't know. Jim Jim Peterson has been around for he's been doing the color commentary for fifteen twenty years. He's one of the best local yeah. color commentators, and it sounds like there's tension between laden and tibbs and jim peterson and that kind of that was kind of a last draw for me that okay if you yeah, think well, jim I peterson's that, too uh, critical I, then come on i
5: know that tibbs and jim pete don't get along
1: so yeah. i know i know that i know that uh, i'm
5: not sure how uh well when they had the uh the the media function at target field he was uh nowhere to be seen so was it jim pete wasn't there right oh no
3: he he showed. Oh, was he there? He showed, yep. I didn't see him. He sure did. Oh, I didn't see him. Okay. He well, showed.
5: Well, he's as I'm seeing. I know. I can't remember.
3: Patrick, what we are burying that. the lead, though, and that's the fact that you got to not one but two periods of a preseason hockey game last night. Yes. Uh, I'm, uh,
5: if if you give me full credit, because I went over, you know, it's like baseball. I went over four and a half innings. So, uh, if you give me full credit, I'm one-third of the way to my uh, total from last season. I, I, I got... I got I went to top golf for two hours today to kill time. Really? All right. Did you take a did, couple swings? No, no. I just, yeah, well, I could have, but I just no. I didn't take any swings, but I just wanted to see what it is. It's unbelievable. You know what I want? I have, it, it's got 102 hitting stations, and it's basically four guys out there of different. You know, they pay thirty five dollars an hour. They come out for two hours. They drink a bunch of beers. They hit some balls. They don't care where they go, from what I see. Uh, I think it's going to be the bachelor party
0: central. Oh, yes, yes.
5: Before they go out and get tuned up, one hundred percent. Go there from seven to nine.
0: Yeah, Pat. Right? When I when I when I went on my cruise earlier this year, we uh, down in Miami. I actually went to the Top Golf in Miami, and it's yeah. it's it's a spectacle. It's fantastic.
1: Is everyone wearing white pants? No. Wait, no. 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 no, no, and, and they <laughs> hasn't, it hasn't really. It wasn't. I mean,
5: maybe half the stations were full uh, when I was there, and apparently it's. It was a real slow start this week. It's kind of a odd location out there in Brooklyn Center, but you know what I want to do. I want to own the Gentleman's Club across the street. They don't have one, but I think they need one. Get, I'll buy it with you. you. you let's you be get, partners. Oh, if they hit golf balls from 7 to 10, they just get enough of a bus on to say, okay, <laughs> let's go and spend every dollar we have next door at the Gentleman's Club. Honey, I was I
3: golfing own. the whole time. I was doing nothing <laughs> else.
1: Yeah, I think.
3: Uh, but Saturday, Friday and Saturday nights, they close at 2 a.m.
1: Yeah, are we keeping it open in the winter? Have they found a way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be open
5: all year but, uh, round. But they're going to have to uh they the only days it's closed is Thanksgiving and Christmas. But they're going to have to figure out a way to plow. I mean, they they got targets and you know when you play a game and and stuff like that yeah. if you hit a certain area you get credit, so they're going to have to plow that baby off every uh every day.
1: That's probably you know, why it I took don't... them a year before they it was it's been it's been up for a long time, but all the winter logistics probably make it
5: Really oh yeah, tough. yeah, but it's uh, it is uh, it's not the driving range that we used to uh, drink beer and hit balls at Sundance, not at Sundance or uh, or some of the other golf courses out in Prior Lake, near Prior Lake, that we used to hit balls at. That's uh, and that ain't it. Hey, this is a little different operation.
1: Hey Pat, ten seconds or less. Vikings going to cover the uh, sixteen and a half. Uh, Vikings win uh, by uh, twenty eight and year. Guy PJ wins at Maryland too. Wow. Four, and, right. oh. four, no, them. four and oh. Four and oh then Roll that bowl. Royce f- roll that bowl. Hey, four wins might be bowl eligible this year. They added two bowl games. So this might be <laughs> yeah, bowl eligible. Right. All right, well, see, you. <laughs> see, you, see you. Bye. <laughs> All right. Uh full Vikings coverage on all platforms for us on Sunday. Guy hates us. He hates our show. He's very hurt. <laughs> That's hilarious. You're sitting right there, too. <laughs> Those guys suck.